are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 75 on Ira Einhorn, the Unicorn Killer. Yup. And I don't know much about this guy. You don't know anything at all, do you? Yeah, okay. You Uh, you know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know nothing, but we're going to talk about it. Nothing. We are. (laughs) All right, so before we get into it, let's do some business. Uh, who are we shouting out? Jeremy, always. He's for the his man. Awesome images for all yeah. of our episodes. He's the best. I got to tell you, we were really, I was shook whenever he sent us the Brenda Spencer uh, graphic because that has Rachel and I's picture from when we were in high school. Yeah, And I know I had posted my picture from high school because I had blonde hair, which I never have ever again. Um, but Rachel's I was like, oh my God, how did he get your, your uh, high school picture? Did he like go back into the depths of the Google and find it? She's like, no, I gave I it to him. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. He messaged me personally on Instagram. And then you were like, where did he get that? Right. <laughs> uh, I sent it to him. Let's right. be calm. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think it looked that uh, graphics really cool. It really like is. It. Yeah. So thank you, Jeremy. You're the best. You really are. I love them. All of them. Always. Yes. Um, okay. So like always like, like share, share, subscribe. subscribe. That's right. We haven't gotten any more voice messages. Rachel, you I need know. to get on them. I, what do I got to do? I don't know. Like completely beg. <laughs> please, right. please, 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 please. <laughs> she needs them, people. Get them to her. Come on. Oh, take a minute after you guys listen. Send yep. us a voice message. We'd love to hear you. <laughs> or if you're not, you know, if you're shy and you don't want your voice out there in the world, just send us an email um, or a message on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can email us at mysteryhistorypod at gmail.com and we'll read it for you so you don't have to. Yeah, but, we can do that. Yeah, we just we just want some some listeners to talk to us. Right. All right. So uh the Patreon. We've got I was gonna look that up, I forget. I think 55, 52 episodes. Um actually mm-hmm. I could tell right now. Hold on. Okay, no, yeah. I can't. I can't. Why not? We did um, the Overton Bridge, and that was episode 50. Yeah, so, yeah, then 52, like 50, I think. 50, yeah. Yeah, so that's so many more episodes that you can get. Right now, we're on 75 of our normal. You could get, like, a whole other 52 episodes if you per- subscribe. I was going to say prescribe. Prescribe. Prescribe <laughs> to our Patreon. There's Which a 2 should. <laughs> You totally should. There's a $2 tier and a $5 tier. Uh, Both is general support for the show. We also have discount codes. If you sign up on any tier, we would give you a free sticker with a handwritten love note Mm -hmm. from from us because we love you. We do. Discord. Tell them. Well, get on our Discord and talk to us. Speaking of leaving us messages, get on there and have some combos with us. Yeah. Hello. Yep. Let us know what you guys are watching, what you're listening to, what you think about our episodes. Yeah. 
suggestions for episodes which we are always interested in hearing because it's hard to come up with stuff by yourself I mean we have like a good backlog kind of going but anything cool or interesting you guys want to hear let us know we're here for you people we are and I like to learn about things I don't know about so yeah I'm about to learn a whole lot today with Ira that's right uh okay so we're we haven't posted it yet we hopefully will by the time this episode drops um we definitely will by the time this episode drops yeah because it won't be that long yeah um jeremy is creating a graphic for us because he's the man for a giveaway that we're doing so basically you're gonna post on your or i'm sorry you're gonna post on the graphic that we post with, you're gonna like it yeah you're gonna like and it and tag yeah. three friends i got this for you boo. yeah you talk about it we're gonna post it on facebook and we're gonna post it on instagram that means you've got two places to go like it and tag three friends and each of those will get you a an entry into our giveaway then if you share it and tag us and you know tell everybody how much you love us that'll get you another entry um and the giveaway is a t-shirt off of our website you guys get to pick which one and we will send it to you and then i'm sure we'll also send you a love note with that too <laughs> and maybe even a sticker Ooh, maybe even a sticker so you guys have until october 14th to do that and then we are gonna try to announce it on live during our brownella meetup um but regardless we will do the drawing on the 16th of october that is correct. And another thing, like Rachel said, our meetup. Hello. You oh, know yeah. you want to meet up with us. Come on. We're a good time. We are. Say hi. Uh, we are doing the meetup, Brownella Cottage in Galleon, Ohio, October 16th. It's supposed to be the most haunted location in Ohio. I'm scared. The um, most haunted location in Ohio one of the most excuse me yeah let's let's throw one of in the front of that because i'm sure it's not the most but we will be be pretty haunted we will be the deciders of that because okay yeah because if i'm scared i'm nervous it'll be great it'll be so fun and the space is limited uh so there's a few slots left if you're interested if you want to come down to galleon galleon ohio and do an wow. investigation with us um just shoot us a message we can get you the details and we're also going to be going to ohio state reformatory for a self-guided tour during the day no i mean it's spooky but it's not like an investigation it's just a tour of the facility so hit us up yeah join yeah. us why don't you all right anything else you want to talk about business wise no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's just talk about this unicorn killer. Yeah. Ira Einhorn. Do you want to start us off or you want me to start us off? I guess I can start. Okay. Okay, here we go. Ira Samuel Einhorn was born in Philly in 1940 to a middle-class Jewish family, and he later studied and taught at the University of Pennsylvania. Throughout the 1960s, Einhorn became a leading voice in the counterculture movement and had, has been referred to as Philadelphia's answer to Abby Hoffman and Allen Ginsberg, 
the voice, or I'm sorry, the village voice called Einhorn, indisputably Philadelphia's head hippie and the city's number one freak. Wow, that's pretty prestigious. I want to be um, the number one freak. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he was charismatic and influential with a wide range of friends and associates from all walks of life. Einhorn served as an instructor of English at Temple University during uh, 1964 to 1965, although his contract was not renewed after he conceded his contempt for the academic world, which I feel like is a bad move if you're like a teacher. Teacher? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, probably not your best choice if you, you know, want to (laughs) work. And boasted on preferring straight answers about the delights and dangers of cannabis and LSD to students in an interview. He also was a resident fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics during the autumn 1978 semester. Einhorn considered himself to be a radical hippie, causing him to askew societal norms like bathing regularly and using deodorant. So he was stinky. Same. (laughs) And he was the number one freak. You know, we have a lot in common up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> as a result of right here, <laughs> right. <laughs> as a result of his attitudes towards personal hygiene, the people who knew Einhorn said he emitted an unpleasant odor. One, ew, one friend described it as hoagie with onions. Oh my God. Gross. I love hoagies. It just do. was ruined. Because I know exactly that smell. Um, Right. Ew. In addition to his distinctive body odor, Einhorn refused to regularly groom his long beard and hair, giving him a decidedly unkept appearance. While he was a teacher at the University of Pennsylvania, Einhorn reportedly removed his clothing in front of his students, and those who knew him said he sometimes greeted visitors to his home wearing nothing at all dang yeah and he's not i mean he is not somebody i feel like i would want to be greeted at the front door naked by no (laughs) like not not a cutie with a booty no not really and you know so like this during the 60s so this is like vietnam yeah kind of situation so I mean, he is the head honcho in town in Philadelphia, it sounds like. He's got a lot of, like, things going for him. Somehow ended up teaching at the university for a single year. Right. <laughs> but, hmm. Yeah. Number one know. freak. Number one freak of Philadelphia. We should get t-shirts. Number one can freak. We both, yeah, can we both be number one freak? dating i feel like it i feel like it's uh oh remember in airheads it's the lone rangers but you can't you're supposed to be alone (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so yeah we could totally yeah number one freak is what we should get (laughs) yes who wants a number one freaks shirt me me too For years, it has been reported that Einhorn was one of the founders of Earth Day. 
that's kind of cool is, right yeah the narrative has been in the public consciousness for decades due in part to a pretty famous photo of einhorn on stage at the podium at the first earth day event in philadelphia on april 22nd 1970 so in reality einhorn was actually asked to leave committee meetings leading up to the initial earth day because of his disruptive behavior and he didn't contribute to the organization of the event in any way and probably because he smelled like freaking hoagies with onions man i think everybody smelled like hoagies with onions it's not that i don't (laughs) know the fact that he is like he was very disruptive to them trying to like organize it right yeah so they said like you got to get out Because of his status in the local environmental community, he was allowed to take the stage, which that turned into a 30-minute episode in which Einhorn refused to give up the microphone (laughs) or vacate the stage. So you hate to see it. (laughs) You hate to see it. (laughs) You hate to see it. You give him an inch and he takes a mile. Two of the original leaders of Earth Day in Philadelphia later wrote, much to our dismay, we now find that Einhorn has been taking credit for initiating or organizing Earth Day. He's not telling the truth. Einhorn, given a small role on the stage at Earth Day, grabbed the microphone and refused to give up the podium for 30 minutes, thinking he would get some free television publicity. We just waited until he completed his act and then got on to the serious business at hand, which was the keynote speech of U.S. Senator Edmund Muskie. He was the author of the landmark Clean Air Act of 1970. Einhorn is a fraud. Oh, man. Yeah. Nevertheless, to this day, stories that Einhorn founded Earth Day continue to flourish in the press. So this guy... (laughs) He must have had a good, uh, you know, uh, he was in the mind of everyone after that 30 minute presentation off the cuff, running around the the stage presentation. Exactly. So, I mean, he definitely took advantage of being given the microphone and like, like you said earlier, he was charismatic and influential. So, you know, he's trying to look like John Lennon or something in this picture that we have. Oh, like that's the picture of him, the famous picture. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it, obviously, (laughs) but um, prior to now. But yeah, he does got a John Lennon vibe going Mm -hmm. a little bit. All right. So beyond the activism and the boisterous public persona, there was a darker side to Ira Einhorn. He was a womanizer whose domineering personality would sometimes erupt into violence. On at least two occasions prior to 1977, the hippie guru attacked women who rejected him. In one case, he strangled a woman until she was unconscious. In another, he hit a woman over the head with a bottle. Holy shit. Yeah. That's like really aggressive. Both of these women were like former girlfriends. So at the time they were like uh, on the outs, I guess. And both of them had to go seek medical attention. So like, both that were, like they went to the hospital. Yeah. It was like aggressive, not great. Yeah. Wow. Um, in his journal, Einhorn wrote violence always marks the end of a relationship. Hopefully. Yes. I mean, it should never get, get to, to that, that point, point, but if it does happen, that's definitely the <laughs> that end. Is, that's definitely the mark. Well, it sounds like for him, violence always does mark the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a spoiler alert mm. or foreshadowing I mean, 
is it because we just said he already beat up two of his previous girlfriends <laughs> so true i mean what else what else can he do okay so einhorn einhorn also enjoyed tormenting small animals because he's a piece of shit right Einhorn's former girlfriend said he liked to take cats into the shower simply to listen to them scream, indicating he got a perverse pleasure from the pain and suffering of other living beings. Perhaps Einhorn's best summed up his own attitudes toward women and animals when he wrote, beauty and innocence must be violated for they can't be possessed. That is Hmm. disgusting. Yeah. Sounds like a guy who doesn't get many people like who are beautiful. Sounds like somebody who's throwing a fit because he can't get what he wants. Not be- maybe it's because he doesn't freaking shower and smells like hoagies with onions. I mean, or doesn't. Well, here's the thing: he didn't have trouble getting women. But that he wasn't just wanted a thing. To... Yeah, it just sounds like like from him like him that was I think a little thing from one of his journals or something like that and it just sounds like I mean he's like narcissistic and like probably like sociopath yeah I so, mean yeah <laughs> I mean things that things like this have been said before where it's like you can't have these things like you can't own them mm-hmm. so the worst you can do or the closest thing to owning them you can do is ruin them basically that's terrible that's what it sounds like yeah it's like ew i mean he's not he's not great yeah <laughs> meeting up here so einhorn had a five-year relationship with a woman named holly maddox she was a graduate of Bryn Mawr college and was originally from tyler texas in private he was jealous, abusive, and self-centered, which, I mean, I think is pretty clear. According to author Stephen Levy, Holly was seduced by Einhorn's charm. She was blown away because the force of his personality was considerable. And on the other hand, there was Holly, who was really not at a solid, solid stage in her life and was susceptible to a big come on, to a big con. And really, within a few days, they were living together. So... Wow. She was in like Fast. a not great place. Yeah. Yeah. She was younger than him. And I think was just like seduced with his power, perceived well, power. I mean, he's the number one freak in Philadelphia and like is very well known in the a, whole like movement. So and a lot of these people just know who they can prey upon, who's in a vulnerable part of their life and can get them to completely own them pretty much yeah yeah well and I think that's part of being like a sociopath like you can kind of read where the weaknesses are and like mm-hmm. who you can take advantage of and play upon their emotions and I mean she's gorgeous she is very beautiful yes and he's gross <laughs> he is not attractive <laughs> yeah not even, not even just looks like the whole thing when I think about it like he seems really pushy. He seems really like too much of a personality. And then he also smells bad and like, doesn't take care of himself. And then she's just like a she beautiful is. person. Like she looks beautiful. It hurts animals. Yeah. There's a lot like, like why Yeah. <laughs> on this. So a lot of red flags. There is. 
Despite his poor personal hygiene and his many personality flaws, Einhorn was very successful with women, even though he treated his girlfriends in a sexist and chauvinistic manner. So this was, you know, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it happens. Yeah. But according to people who knew both Einhorn and Maddox, he ordered his girlfriend to do his bidding, demanding that she brush his hair and tend to his every need. He also expected Maddox to be faithful to him, but he openly cheated on her during their relationship. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. According to a friend who knew the couple, Einhorn went to a party with Maddox, but when he met a new woman that evening, he arranged for another guest to give his girlfriend a ride home so that he could have sex with his new friend, and he did all of this in front of Maddox. Wow. So before, Yeah like organized all of that while she was just right there so it sounds like i don't know he was free to do whatever he wanted and she was not yeah and it it seems like her self-esteem was pretty low to be able to witness all of that and not say anything right like if it were you or me yeah like i'm all like supportive of people in open relationships or whatever if you have those conversations with the person you're with and everybody's on the same page and everybody's respectful like that's Mm -hmm. 100 fine like y'all do you that's great but like uh to like openly be like i'm gonna go f this person somebody's taking you home you better stay there see you later right like i don't know before long, the relationship became abusive. Andrea Boich worked with Holly in a neighborhood co-op, and she said, I remember a morning we were trying to get the store stocked, and while we were taking our break, she turned her head in such a way that I noticed a mark on her neck. So he was also, like, putting his hands on her. Yeah. Okay, so by all accounts, Einhorn dominated Maddox, and eventually the young woman had had enough. Maddox worked up the courage to leave Einhorn, who was furious about her decision. In 1977, she broke up with Einhorn and went to New York City, where she became involved with Sal Lapidus. He said, quote, she was just wonderful, curious, very bright, knew what was going on. For those many weeks, we were kind of inseparable. It was the start of possibly something big. So like she left and like immediately I'm pretty sure got with this guy like she was only gone for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. so I wonder if the reason she got the courage to leave Einhorn was because of the Saul person like I think that they already had like the beginnings of a relationship Mm -hmm. I don't have any evidence that that's just my thought because I think a lot of times it takes people the like like a plan like a fallback plan to be able to get the courage yeah. or get mm-hmm. the strength to like go do something else. So I sure. think he was that person for her. On September 9th, 1977, Maddox returned to the Philadelphia apartment she had previously shared with Einhorn to collect her belongings, which Einhorn had reportedly threatened to throw out into the street as trash. The night after her return to Philadelphia, Ira and Holly were seen at the movies that holly was never seen again but holly she so she went to the movies and then nobody knew where she was after that Uh Saul and some other friends in new york alerted officials of holly's disappearance several weeks later the philadelphia police questioned einhorn after her disappearance 
He claimed that Maddox had gone out to the neighborhood co-op to buy some tofu and sprouts and never returned. Right. Hmm. This sounds so a little she, suspicious. Suspicious, right? Yeah. And when she left, like she left all of her stuff. Like when she left him, Which she and came York, back to get, she, right? Right. Because he called her and he was like, I'm going to throw all your shit in the street. Yeah. Like, come get this stuff. You have to come back or everything's going out in the trash. So she came back to get it. Yeah. But then went to the movies with him. That's weird. Isn't it? Like, yeah. With another couple. So it was like, you know, a thing. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, that's weird. Very bizarre. So the Maddox family hired two former FBI agents to investigate. Their ambitious report filled hundreds of pages, contained dozens of interviews, and detailed the events surrounding Holly's disappearance. The investigators located that couple that had gone to the movies with Ira and Holly during the weekend. Holly went to pick up her things, as mentioned before. And then that was the last time she was seen by someone other than Einhorn. Mm-hmm. Einhorn's downstairs neighbor complained of terrible smells and dark liquid leaking into their apartment. That's never good. Oh, either. that's never good. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's definitely mm-hmm. a problem. Neighbors also remembered hearing screams and thumps around the time of Maddox's disappearance. Did anybody call the police? Nope. Nope. What the heck? They like got interviewed by these agents that were high. Well, these former agents that were hired by her family, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we I heard did screaming, hear some stuff going on. What? Like it sounded like a struggle. Uh, P.S. Uh, there's some goo licking leaking into my apartment over here from his. Like it's uh, very much like what WTF is happening. Yeah, like I don't know. So while this is going on. Einhorn, in the meantime, enjoyed a fellowship for a semester at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. So he just like left out and was in Harvard. Yeah. Went to go do whatever a fellowship is. I don't actually know what a fellowship is. Do you? No. (laughs) I think it's like some learning stuff and teaching stuff. I don't know. But yeah, so he like left and went and did that. Finally, armed with a search warrant based on the evidence provided by these investigators the Maddox family had hired, the police searched Einhorn's apartment, and this was in March, this was on March 29th, 1979, 18 months later. Wow. 18 months later, and they found Holly's partially mummified body in a trunk in the bedroom closet. Oh my gosh. Right. Upon entering the apartment, Detective Michael Chitwood of the uh, Philadelphia Police Department stated, once I opened the door, I could smell kind of a decaying smell and spending years as a homicide detective, I knew that smell to be a body smell and I thought she may be here. There was a sickness, a sadness that Holly Maddox was found, but then there was kind of a feel good that we were going to lock up Ira Einhorn for killing her. So. Well, obviously they didn't care that much if it took 18 freaking months. Yeah, in the work of this other these other people that the family had hired. I uh-huh. mean, I think that when Holly was reported missing, I think they like the police department like knew that it was Ira, but they uh-huh. didn't have any evidence. Okay. So they were trying so, to collect that to be able to do a search warrant and stuff. Right. And oh. 
yeah so when they found they eventually got to do that and found her and her skull had been fractured in at least six places by a blunt object six places that's a lot that's like your whole skull yeah right i mean i would assume yeah if you if you do six places it would just cave in i feel like right yeah, i mean it's like i don't your know whole head yeah how awful and after 18 months her decomposed corpse weighed only 37 pounds the trunk that she was in had been packed with styrofoam air fresheners which obviously were not working mm-hmm. and newspapers it was later revealed that after Maddox's disappearance, Einhorn asked two teenage girls he had been seeing, which I think he was dating them. I yes. don't know. Teenage girls. He's like 30 something, which is freaking gross. Um, he asked these girls to help him dump a trunk into the Shaokil River that he told them was filled with secret Russian documents. Wow. And luckily these girls flatly refused to do that um they said no so that evidence like that he had asked these girls to do that that was also uncovered by the private investigators hired by the Maddox family so like these these bros did everything Uh uh-huh the cops didn't really find anything yeah right like they gathered everything when he probably went for those teenage girls because he thought that they would be dumb enough to help him yeah, it's just like but, another example of somebody that is a sociopath preying on like weaker people because mm-hmm. you know teenage girls are generally weaker. Yeah, you know, especially for an older fellow telling them to do something like right, like uh, I don't know, it's it's a lot. It's crazy. And, when, and how could you sure live in they, there? Like, well, that's the thing. He was like at Harvard for at least most of that time. And I'm pretty sure when they did the search warrant, he wasn't there. I don't, I feel like I, I remember that he wasn't like living there at the time. I think he okay. pretty much wasn't, but and it was that's why he apartment. Left. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, I know he had been at Harvard for a period of that time. I don't think the whole time, but yeah, I think he had left like there at the end when it was like going wow. down. And just like, you know how I get super anxious and like nervous and everybody's a a cop and stuff. Like if I left, so like, let's say I killed somebody and I put them in a trunk of my house and then I left, wouldn't you be constantly like worried that they were going to come pick you up because you would have no control over what happened, (laughs) like what's going on there, nothing. Yeah my anxiety couldn't handle me being a murderer no <laughs> no yeah. I would be even worried every second even if it wasn't a trunk in my house like if I ditched a body yeah it would be on my mind all the time <laughs> I just don't know how you could continue right I, you, I wouldn't be able to for sure aside from the fact that the guilt would eat me yeah right to of course. no point if we put all that aside and act like that wasn't a thing yeah my anxiety would not allow for it <laughs> Well, we'll just say there was a person that really deserved it. Okay. And we did like a Marianne and Wanda type situation. Situation. And yeah. yeah. But still, I just, yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know either. I don't know. Especially when you leave it in your apartment. like And just obviously. leave like with all these people around that smell in the bodies and a couple of little tree air fresheners aren't going to do anything. They don't even fix the smell in my car. Leave. Yeah, there's like shit leaking. Right. Like, oh no, no, no. Okay. No. This is blowing my mind. So 
After finding the body, a police officer reportedly said to Einhorn, it looks like we found Holly, to which he reportedly replied, you found what you found. What a dick. What a dick. (laughs) What a dick. Einhorn soon came up with an explanation. According to him, Maddox had been killed by the CIA or the KGB. He's really into like Russians and stuff, isn't he? I think that was like, when was the, um, I think that makes sense, right? The seven in the seventies. Cause all the spies and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it makes yeah. sense that he would like say this and be like, there's Russian documents in here that we need to get rid right. of. Like this right. is, when was the, when was the cold war? Was that happening? Probably now-ish. Yeah. Like, I think it's like now-ish we are terrible we're not good at hi- i'm <laughs> uh, not good at history history i know i mean like i know stuff happened but i really like couldn't tell you like when it was happening but i think it was around hit this time because i think i remember my mom telling me that she was like you know at her schools she would like get under desks like that was part like to prepare for like russia bombing us or whatever like that was part of like things that happened when she was in like elementary school which would make sense for this like time frame <laughs> well in the cold war i mean we had a pretty wide range it was from the f- 1947 to 1991 oh shoot so we were so, yeah <laughs> for yeah the end of that huh oh yes okay yeah well we then, were I guess it, when was it really <laughs> bad <laughs> Probably the 70s. Like right now. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. So yeah, he said that she was killed by the CIA or the KGB because he had discovered evidence of secret mind control experiments performed by the government. So he's a whack job. Like he discovered evidence of this? Like how? What? There's not even like the internet. So like, how did you discover this? (laughs) Einhorn claimed that his former girlfriend was murdered by one of the large intelligence agencies and her body was placed in his apartment in an effort to frame him for killing for her killing. Right. (laughs) He insisted that the CIA or the KGB wanted to make it look like a murder so that people wouldn't believe him when he revealed the classified information he had uncovered about covert government activities, which were hidden in the trunk. Right? Which he never revealed either. <laughs> like, what are they? What are your uh, no, no government activities that you so, so-called so figured out? Like, I don't know. Einhorn's attorney pulled off the impossible bail for Ira Einhorn. It was a crushing blow for Detective Chitwood and the rest of the Philadelphia Police Department. Quote, I was offended when they allowed him out on bail because in my entire career, somebody who's charged with murder never gets out on bail. And when I sat in that courtroom and I watched the parade of prominent people march before the bar in the court and sing the praises of Ira Einhorn, who was a murderer, who was a murderer, but, but nobody wanted to admit it. I said, this guy will never even stand trial. He will take off. Yep. He was released from custody, and that is weird. Like murderers, they don't. You don't get usually, bail, right? But this guy mm-hmm. had like friends in high places. Like he was the toast of the town in Philadelphia for like all these hippie people, and he was like very well known. Like I know you and I don't know who this guy is prior to this. Like we didn't, right? But 
he's, he was definitely very popular in the time. He was very active and there was a lot of prominent people that knew him and stood by him and believed that he was actually innocent. Like he would never do this. Like there was a lot, lots of people saying like, he would never do that. That's so yeah. Well, he was released from custody after posting a bond of $4,000 or 10% of the 40 K. Yeah. So like, that's nothing. No, no. Like if I went to jail, like people I know could rally $4,000. I would get you out. I would get you out. Like, I don't know. That's like nothing. No. So this was paid by Barbara Broffman, a Montreal socialite who married into the wealthy Bronfman, Bronfman, how do you say that? Bronfman. 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 No, you're adding like extra syllables. I think it's just Bronfman. Bronfman. Yeah. Okay. Bronfman. They wealthy. Yeah. They got all the money and met Einhorn through a shared interest in the paranormal, which I get that. Spooky. In 1981, just days before his murder trial was to begin, Einhorn skipped bail and fled to Europe. Hmm. They called that oh, one, didn't they? Yeah, sure did. During Einhorn's flight, he was a- uh, again aided by Bronfman, who continued to support him financially until 1988, when she read Stephen Levy's damning book on Einhorn, The Unicorn's Secret. So then, so after like- reading this book, she's like, whoa. Yeah, you really could have done which, this. Which is like literally almost 10 years later. That's crazy. Like she financially supported him for an absurd amount of time. And then somebody came out with a book and she was like, oh, wait. This makes sense. I should probably cut him off. <laughs> Odd. Like, well, isn't that like, did she, okay, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I hope she gets in trouble because she's what, aiding a fugitive? you're not jumping ahead i don't know that she ever did get in trouble i didn't see anything that said she got in trouble she should have right because she helped him escape with I money mean, she ended up well she would have had to pay that forty thousand dollars which is probably right? a, isn't that how that works chip, yeah yeah if they yeah that's yeah. how bonds work but to her it's probably just a chip in the bucket nothing yeah yeah if she's like a wealthy socialite yeah probably well, i'll tell you what her. if i posted bail for you and you skipped i'd be so pissed yeah, yeah uh, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that I have to would sell be my problem. house. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I still wouldn't be able to afford it because I right. have to sell my house. <laughs> Not uh, okay. There was a sighting of the fugitive in 1986, but for all intents and purposes, he had disappeared. Um, after staying in Ireland for a short period of time, Einhorn went on to live in a number of European cities and countries i said cities but it's countries including sweden the united kingdom spain denmark and france hmm. yeah. so during his european travels einhord met annika floden a swedish woman and they got married and moved to rural france in 1993 so he so, was living like I mean, a good life yeah he's just like picked back up and is just like doing his thing basically also in 1993, Philadelphia's district attorney decided to try Einhorn for murder in absentia, absentia in his absence. Perfect. <laughs> it's the law word. 
in him not being there, they still decided to move forward with trying him for murder. Einhorn's attorney argued that Holly Maddox's body had been planted in his client's apartment, uh, but it took a jury two hours to find Einhorn guilty and the judge handed down a life sentence. So I guess what that means is like, if they catch him, he's He's already been tried in the court of law and he is guilty and has to do a life sentence. Hmm. I've never heard of them doing that. I guess they just do that when people like piss off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Einhorn, was, who used the alias Eugene Mallon, lived as a fugitive in Europe for more than two decades, successfully avoiding apprehension with the help of his wife, who knew her husband was wanted by the authorities for killing his former girlfriend. Mm-hmm. According mm-hmm. to Floden, she didn't think Einhorn had murdered Maddox, which is why she knowingly supported the wanted fugitive. While living on the um, land in Europe, Einhorn developed friendships with a number of influential people, which he did in America, including British musician Peter Gabriel and Hank Harrison, a Grateful Dead biography, biographer, biographer. excuse me, <laughs> and Courtney Love's father. Huh. Yeah. Huh. While neither man admitted to knowing Einhorn was wanted by the police, Barbara Broffman, a wealthy Canadian socialite with ties to the Seagram distillery, was well aware of his status as a fugitive when she repeatedly sent him money during the time he was on the run from the authorities. The years dragged on and it appeared to the anguish of the Maddox family that Einhorn would never be found and justice would never be served. But some investigators never gave up, including the Philadelphia District Attorney's Fugitive and Extradition Chief Richard de Bendito, who hunted Einhorn for 16 years. Mm-hmm. After That's being his job. <laughs> yeah, good for him, because some people yeah. just throw in the towel. After being questioned multiple times by investigators after her relationship with Einhorn, Broffman finally confessed that she believed he was innocent, had, or believing, I'm sorry, that she believing he was innocent had provided the accused killer with financial support for several years. When pressed, Broffman gave the authorities the name of Einhorn's wife, which enabled French officials to track him down at his home in Champagne, Mutant, France and arrest him on June 13th, 1997. I have a feeling it's not Champagne Mutant. <laughs> that does not sound very French. I think it's Champagne <laughs> or something of that nature. Listen, yes. I'm from Ohio. Ohio. Champagne Mutant. Mutant. France. France. <laughs> Some French toast, okay. French toast. <laughs> what is that from? Pretty old virgin. Yeah. Want some fucking French toast? French toast. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. So really, his downfall eventually was the woman that was like giving him money. Maybe. I mean, is it because she read that book and was like, "Ooh." But you know what? Maybe that's why there's no information of her getting like tried because she turned him in. Because she turned him in. Yeah. So maybe that was like part of, well, was that part of a deal? It could have been like her saying, like, look, I'll give you some info if you guys don't come after me about this. Yeah. But because it sounds like she confessed that she was giving him money. It's not like they found that out. She said, I thought he was innocent. I was giving him money. I've got some info. Don't Don't come at me. Don't throw the book at me. 
and mm. I'll give you that info maybe. I don't know, yeah. could be. Can you imagine marrying somebody that you know is like wanted in another country for murdering their ex-girlfriend, even if you think they're innocent? No, you would, your whole life would be looking over your shoulder all the time. I don't think I could ever actually think <laughs> someone was innocent of that. If they were like wanted in the for court, that, and right. be like, you know, I got enough stuff going on in my life. I think we're going to have to stop dating. <laughs> yeah. Like it'll be fine. I'll find somebody else. You just, yeah. good luck. Good luck to you. Right. Especially him. It's not again, like he's anything super special, but he must be like super, personable like charming or whatever because I mean it would take an awful lot to get over his hoagie smelling yeah well and all these people love him but yeah like yeah he's got all these friends in high places and people are marrying him knowing he's wanted for murder like ridiculous and and how does he end up being friends with Peter Gabriel I don't know like how do you even get that connect when you are under a different name and acting like you are an author in some European country, like, how do you even get to that point? Like he has to be super freaking charming. Yeah. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. I don't know. So, uh, the extradition process, not easy. It proved more complex than initially envisioned. So under the extradition treaty between France and the United States, either country may refuse extradition under certain circumstances, and Einhorn used multiple avenues to avoid extradition. So he like read up, mm-hmm. got himself a good lawyer or whatever to, to get out of being extradited. So although Einhorn was not sentenced to death, his defense attorneys argued that he would face the death penalty if he were returned to the United States. So even though he already was, he was just life. Yeah. He was given a life sentence. Yeah. Uh, his attorneys said like, if he come, if they, if you send him back, they're going to try him and try to kill him basically. Mm-hmm. So France, like many countries, many other countries have abolished the death penalty. They don't extradite defendants to jurisdictions that retain the death penalty without assurance that it will be neither sought nor applied. Pennsylvania authorities pointed out that when the murder occurred, the state did not practice the death penalty. And so Einhorn could not be executed because the state and federal constitution forbid ex post facto law. Ex post facto is most typically used to refer to a criminal statute that punishes actions retroactively, thereby criminalizing conduct that was legal when originally performed. So basically meaning like it didn't exist, like the death penalty was not allowed at the time of his, of the murder. So they couldn't go back in time and, and try to use that. That Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Einhorn's next strategy involved French law and the European Court of Human Rights, which requires a new trial when the defendant was tried in absent- absentia. Damn it. Absence. <laughs> when he, he ain't there. He right. He gone. <laughs> Again, Ohio. <laughs> and unable to present his defense. So basically, because he wasn't there, he wasn't able to defend himself. So they have to try him again. On this basis, the Court of Appeals of Bordeaux rejected the extradition request. Okay, I'm sorry. That's a bunch of bullshit. 
it's his fault he wasn't there he freaking fled the country right but you're gonna put that on the court system i mean that's just he is that blows my mind (laughs) our our whole thing is so flawed i mean well and it's like you have to think of like everything yeah i mean there's a reason it's flawed and that's like the thing like I mean, there would be no point in having like government or a justice system at all if we had it all figured out, you know, like if it all made sense and there wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. But yeah, I mean, it's like, damn, really? Wow. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Mm -hmm. Following the court's decision, 35 members of Congress sent a letter to French President, oh, geez, Jacques Jacques Chirac. No, it's Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> Jacques Chirac. That's always been a tough name. word for me. Jacques Chirac. I like that. To ask for Einhorn's extradition. However, under France's doctrine of the separation of powers, which was invoked in this case, the president cannot give orders to courts and does not intervene in extradition affairs. Therefore, in 1998, to secure Einhorn's extradition, The Pennsylvania legislator passed a bill named the Einhorn Law, allowing defendants convicted in absentia to request another trial, which is bullshit because it's your fucking fault you weren't there. Can we just like pause here real quick? So France said, no, we're not sending them back. So 35 members of Congress got together and sent a letter to the president. He said well, I can't do anything because this law in France keeps me from stepping in and doing it, right? And then Pennsylvania was like, okay, let's make a law or a bill. They passed a bill Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make sure that he couldn't be, their extradition request couldn't be denied on the basis that he couldn't get another trial. Yeah. So like, like all these steps, like that, those are big steps, like having 35 members of Congress send a letter and then creating a new law to like well, and, deal with this situation. And you know that it's just a bill and it's sitting on Capitol Hill, you know, <laughs> like that takes a long time. Right. Like it's a lot of big steps. Like there's a lot of things like people are moving mountains to get this bro back into Pennsylvania so they can Mm -hmm. try him. In another delay tactic, Einhorn's attorney criticized the bill as unconstitutional and tried to give the French courts to once again deny the extradition on the grounds that the law would be inapplicable. However, French court ruled itself unable to evaluate the constitutionality of foreign law. Another point of friction with the United States was that the court freed Einhorn under police supervision. As French law put restrictions on remand, the imprisonment of suspects awaiting trial, Einhorn then became the focus of intense surveillance by the French police. Good. So they were like, he ran once. This was y'all's fault. We're going to watch him, basically. The matter went before Prime Minister Lionel Jospin again, like pretty big deal, right? Mm -hmm. For one guy. Extraditions, after having been approved by courts, must be ordered by the executive. The French Green Party stated that Einhorn should not be extradited until it was certain that the Einhorn law could not be reversed. 
Jospin rejected the claims and issued an extradition decree. Einhorn then litigated against the decree before the Consul d'Etat. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, some sort of council, <laughs> which ruled against him again. The council declined to review the constitutionality of foreign law. He then attempted to slit his own throat to avoid imprisonment and eventually litigated his case before the European Court of Human Rights, which also ruled against him. On July 20th, 2001, Einhorn was extradited to the United States. Let's Ooh, take a moment. Yeah, this is great, but let's take a moment to back up on the fact that he slit his own throat. And there is a freaking video from the Associated Press or someone that like comes in and is like interviewing him with his throat slit which like I put a little picture in here and you can't even tell like how freaking nasty it is in this picture like in the video he's talking and you can like see it like gaping open and he's just talking and you see all this like wet on his shirt is like I think blood I think he like cleaned himself up for this interview and there's like his shirt and his pants are all wet and it's like a freaking open freaking flappy throat wound and he's all like old at this point and like got a bunch of it's really flappy it's freaking so gross like go watch this video because it is so nasty but they said it looks really gruesome but he was actually like he walked himself out to the ambulance so he was fine and was like fine but it looks so freaking gross maybe he just cut himself on one of the folds you know like freaking open though it's like from side to side and he like lifts his head up while he's like talking and it like oh i can't wait to watch it oh god it's so gross i'm gonna (laughs) watch it I know when I was doing notes, I was like watching it. I was like, who <laughs> like what is happening right now? Because he's talking for like minutes. Like he's doing an interview with his freaking neck wide open. And then it shows him like in the ambulance, they just like wrap some gauze around it. And he was like, totes fine, but oh, it looked freaking nasty. Well, and how bad is it like to be extradited to a to well now to a new trial but life he knows and, like going, he knows he knows at that point i don't know he like was living the life in france with his like younger like light little wife i don't know he probably has had a better life well traveled let's just say i mean than you and i will ever have Oh yeah, for sure. And he has like a cute, like, it's not like super cute, but it's like a nice little cottage situation and has his little wife and like, like he lived a nice life for 20 plus years after murdering someone. Like, I mean, as nice as it gets, it seems like a quiet, nice little life he had there, which is just completely disgusting that you can get away with that shit and run away and like do that. I hate that. Right, because the girl he Maddox is never gonna get a life, or you know, he yeah, cut he it took short that away from her, and he got to just run away and go do whatever he wanted. It is, it's gross. That is terrible. It's not okay. All right, a year before Einhorn was extradited back to the United States to stand trial for killing his former girlfriend in 1977. 
the Philadelphia Daily News put up a billboard bearing his likeness. Then at the behest of the newspaper, many Philadelphians threw rotten tomatoes at the image of Einhorn. I love this. How much do you love that? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love that too. The Philadelphia Daily News also provided its readers with forms they could complete with messages for Einhorn when he returned to the area after being extradited back to the United States from France. I love this. I know. Hundreds of people wrote special notes to the former fugitive, including profane messages about (laughs) the abuse they suspected Einhorn would be subjected to while in prison. According to the newspaper's editors, their goal was, or their editor, their goal was to make Einhorn as miserable as possible. So they put up a billboard and had people throw stuff at it. (laughs) I love that. We are petty and I fucking love it. I love it. Yes. So they should do that for everybody. Like I will be there at every (laughs) one. Yes. I I would grow a tomato garden just Just for for to (laughs) let them rot so you could go throw them at billboards of bad people Uh, and i love love the little comment cards like yeah you just post them all on his out of my day yeah yeah (laughs) all right taking the stand in his own defense einhorn claimed that maddox he was still going with this he was murdered she was murdered by the cia agents who attempted to frame him due to his investigations into the cold war and psychotronics after two hours of deliberation the jury convicted einhorn on october 17 2002 concluding the month-long trial 2002 that's forever long he killed her in 1977 yeah the following day he was sentenced to mandatory life term without the possibility of parole good the yep. presiding judge called Einhorn an intellectual dilettante, del- not good, who preyed on the uninitiated, uninformed, unsuspecting, and inexperienced. Obviously. Like we said, he like finds people preyed. that yeah. don't know what's going on and he preyed on them. Yeah. Einhorn began serving his sentence at Pennsylvania State Correctional Institute, Ho- Hootsdale. In November 2006, Einhorn's sentence was unanimous. I cannot talk today. Unanimously affirmed <laughs> by the Superior Court of Pennsylvania. I wonder if we could get, you know, because we weren't up with the times whenever we they made comment cards for him. I wonder if we could write him a letter. He's dead. Oh. On April 3rd, 2020. <laughs> Einhorn died in the Pennsylvania SCI Laurel Highlands. <laughs> you can write him whatever you want, baby girl. <laughs> oh, damn. You just, you just say what you want to say into the air and he will freaking feel it. Saves me a stamp. You know what I'm saying? write him a letter and tell him what a piece of shit he is oh he's dead (laughs) i'm gonna rally the troops you were like hey everybody that listens we're writing this dude (laughs) no he died already um his death was reported to be of natural causes uh on a sad note holly's parents both passed away like pretty early on 
in the investigations. Oh, and no. so they never saw him brought to justice, but you know, they were the ones that hired those investigators and then her siblings like, yeah. came up and as part of like the extradition processes, like they showed up for all that oh, stuff, you know, that's terrible. Like, the family showed up cousins, whatever, but yeah. Yeah. They, her parents never, I mean, they weren't around to see him get caught and honestly, you know, they both died in the, I want to say his, her mom died or maybe her dad, her dad died in like late seventies, like 79 or 78. And then her mom died early eighties. So like they weren't around for the fact that it took so long either. Yeah. Which is a little bit of a relief. Cause I couldn't imagine like living my whole life, like waiting for my kid's murder murderer to be brought to justice yeah but i mean the only good thing the only good thing though is that they knew they knew it was him but they they didn't it was him but he they knew he was not living his stupid life yeah yeah you know like uh ducky yeah not good but it took so long to catch him i mean at least they didn't have to be miserable for decades while we're out looking for his stupid ass well and i I i'm i'm proud that they went through all of this trouble because in in the serial killers and stuff like that that we talk about that kill like 10 15 whatever people even though he killed only one in quotation you know what i mean like one is still way too many but i'm glad that they went above and beyond to get him back even if it was for just just one person and just say oh it's too hard screw it he's gone yeah yeah because they could have yeah they could have and good on philly yeah same i'm glad that they did all the things that they could to get him back and and he was eventually brought to justice yeah i'm still pissed i can't write him a letter (laughs) Sorry. I love that. <laughs> we weren't hip to the comment cards but now we are <laughs> yeah yeah Get now I'm, I feel like doing that for everyone now like yeah everybody I hear about to know that you're a piece of I shit. don't like you <laughs> <laughs> you are scum between my toes that's right <laughs> oh goodness but yeah he's gone and yeah I don't know I mean there's it's it's crazy like all the steps they had to go through but yeah I wonder what his wife has to say about that who knows I don't wonder know if she's stuck I wonder with if him she's still I wonder if she still thinks he's innocent probably after spending all that time you'd feel like a super dumbass to be like uh yeah my bad. well just like that girl that was giving him billions and billions of dollars yeah, she'll never get that shit that back mm-hmm. yeah, yeah wow but yeah so you gotta go watch the video should we oh i will is that too much maybe not maybe we'll just this picture that you have here we can say hey if you can handle this plus more go here (laughs) right we'll send you the link that's and we'll send you the link and leave us a comment hell yeah And if you still want to send them comment cards, we'll figure it out. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll figure it out. space for you guys. Yeah, we will. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, so crazy. Yep. Well, you want to cite your sources? I do. So I use Wikipedia, of course. 
that didn't really have very much information, but it was there. Ranker.com, unsolvedmysteries.com, and investigationdiscovery.com. I love investigation discovery. Oh yeah, that was a good one. There's documentaries out about him too. Like movie, like... Yeah, I haven't watched any of them, but while I was looking for this, I saw a couple, so... For sure. Check them out, but yeah. All right. Well, that's the story. Episode 75, Ira Einhorn. So why is it the unicorn? Is it because he only killed one person? No, because Einhorn is unicorn in French. Oh, so like oui, the French oui. people started calling him the unicorn killer, I think. I see. Einhorn is one horn unicorn. <laughs> I see. Okay. It all makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's why he's the unicorn killer. Definitely Good. should have put that in here. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. Okay. All right. Well, we hope you all have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.